different people working for different institutions in different countries at different times all come up with the same answer. Data Stories is brought to you by Click, who allows you to explore the hidden relationships within your data that lead to meaningful insights. Let your instincts lead the way to create personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards with ClickSense, which you can download for free at click.de slash datastories. That's Q-L-I-K dot D-E slash datastories. Hi everyone, Enrico here. This is a special uh, episode that I'm recording directly from, from Bloomberg. Uh, they have beautiful spaces here. Um, and uh, I am together with Eric Roston and Blackie Mill Yotzi. I hope I pronounced it right. It sounds Italian. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we want to talk about uh, this really, really interesting project that they published uh, a few days or weeks ago um, on the Bloomberg website called uh, What's Really Warming the World? It's about climate change. Very interesting project. And um, so Eric is a, a reporter here at Bloomberg and uh, Blackie is part of the data visualization group here at Bloomberg, right? Correct. Bloomberg Graphics. Bloomberg Graphics. And um, well, welcome on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you. So um, before we start the interview, um, um, I want to just give a summary of what the project is about and to make sure that our, our listeners are um, everyone on the same page. Um, so if you can stop for a moment and go to the web page and check, um, just pause for a moment and go to bloomberg.com. And uh, do, do you have a, an, a simple URL that people can type? It's um, Bloomberg.com slash graphics slash... Slash graphics 2015, what's warming the world, or just Google it, yes. Bloomberg. <laughs> uh, I tried Bloomberg climate visualization and it does work. Great. So if you cannot stop, I'll try to describe for a moment uh, what the project is about and how it looks like. So the project starts when you go to this web page and there is a very nice title, What's Really Warming the World? And there is one timeline that goes from 1880 to um, 2014. There is one single timeline, and it's about, um, what, the average uh, temperature in the world? Mm -hmm. Yes. So now this is a really nice uh, scrollable visualization. You can scroll, and every time you scroll, you have a new piece of information. So when you scroll the first time, you have, is it the Earth's orbit that is causing this um, increase, steep increase in uh, uh, temperature? And you have two lines. One is the observed increase in temperature and one is the orbital changes. And it doesn't look like this is affecting uh, the temperature at all. And the next one, is it the sun? And you have exactly the same thing, very similar. Next one again is, is it volcanoes? And it doesn't seem to be volcanoes. Then you have, is it all three of these things combined? And it doesn't look like it is. And then you have, so if it's not nature, is it deforestation? And it doesn't look like there is a strong correlation between this line about land use and again, the observed change in temperature. Then you have, or ozone pollution, and it's not. 
or aerosol pollution, so going on. No, it's really greenhouse gases, and we get to this page where you have two lines again with the observed temperature and greenhouse gases, and it's the first line uh, that actually shows a strong correlation between the two trends. Um, and then you can see uh, for yourself the comparison between all these lines and what's their direction and what's the impact of human factors. And uh, then you can compare and contrast these two things. And then what I really, really like is that um, the page ends with a methodology uh, section where you actually describe the science behind this thing. So one thing that I would really, really love to talk about is what's the science behind this. And um, I would start from a little bit of background. So how did the project start at all? We, this, let me, let me think. I would say about a year and a half ago, internally, we decided that we were very interested in climate change. We wanted to produce some visual aids that would help people very, who are very busy and smart and want to understand, but it's, it's complex, uh, to give them some, some easy step-by-step -step instructions, yeah. as it were. And we, those conversations, ultimately, they, they weren't organic enough, and we decided we, should, we just got to start doing them. And so, so Blackie, why don't you talk about the, the first one? Yeah, so uh, the first one that uh, Tom Randall and I uh, and Eric uh, worked on uh, was um, the uh, hottest year on record. Uh, 2014 was the hottest year on record. Uh, and basically, uh, we knew that the data was about to come out that was going to sh show, uh, very likely show, that it was going to be the hottest year uh, ever recorded. Uh, and uh, we wanted to have something prepared for that. Um, and we, we basically, we, we published something that doesn't look at all like any normal, uh, you know, uh, climate uh, chart that you would see on uh, like in the IPCC report or something. Uh, and uh, it, it got a lot of uh, good reactions, basically. So um, so there's two main, the, the two first questions about climate change are, is the world getting warmer? And so we answered that one in December. Uh, with, That's what with everyone a, wants to know. Right. Is the world getting warmer? And yes, the world is getting warmer. If you run the annual records back to the middle or the, the third quarter of the 1800s, then uh, you can see the trend. The next question is, what's causing it? And so that was the next place to go. And, uh, and so we went there, but the, it's hard, right? And so Many, I don't, I don't know if, if listeners are familiar with what the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change is. It's the UN-sponsored uh, group of climate, basically the entire world climate science community. And every six or seven years, they put out four 2,000-page compendiums of climate science. And since we're, we're on audio here, I, you can't see it. So what I'm going to do, it's sort of shaped like a phone book, but with much denser paper. So I'm going to drop this onto the table from about 18 inches, and that'll give you a, a sense. Ready? Three, two, one. It's a big book. It's a big book. Yeah. Uh, and, I, I, yeah. and, but the initial graph graphics, the, the, the core... That's not all of it, right? Yeah, no, this is one quarter of it. One quarter. Yeah, okay. we just dropped this one yeah. quarter. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
But there's one graphic in particular that puts forward the idea that here's the observed line, the observed temperature for the last 130 years or so. Here's what we observe about uh, how volcanoes and the sun and one or two other things influence the temperature. Here's what we understand about how human influences affected the temperature. And you see very quickly that basically the natural factors are flat lines. They come nowhere near the rise in temperatures we see. Mm -hmm. And the man-made forcings go right above it. They go higher even than the observed temperature. But when you net out, you, you, you basically subtract out the, the cooler natural forcings from the the man-made ones, and it tracks the observed line just about exactly. Yeah. So, like, it, we, we put a graphic out showing it, uh, it is getting hotter, and then we basically attempted to make a graphic that is uh, explaining it's man-made. Right, and so the, the next trick is, is, so we have these four volumes of 2,000 pages each or so, 1,500, I don't even know. Uh, this is how do you make that simple? Yeah. And so the the plan became to take this, this several thousand pages of, um, of scientific investigation and graft it into one of the most beloved and long-standing detective stories the English language <laughs> has produced in the last half a century. And of course, I'm talking about Where's Spot by Eric Hill. Where's can you drop this one? So <laughs> yeah, at least okay, I'll drop hear this. The difference. This is a, a single volume. It's about... 12 pages long. Yeah. So here we go. Ready? 18 inches again. Hey, oh, 18 inches. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Just for comparison. Yeah. So Spot is, the, Spot is the compelling story of a, a mother dog who can't find her son's spot. That spot he hasn't eaten his supper. Where can he be? Is he behind the door? No. Is he inside the clock? And it's like a pop-up, but there's <laughs> flaps. You lift and there's animals hiding. Is he in the piano? No. And then you get to the end. It says, there's Spot. He's hiding under the rug. And you lift it and it says, there's a turtle that says, ah, try the basket. So then Sally goes over to the basket, leaps for the basket, opens it up, and there's... Wait, don't spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's Spot. Uh, okay. And that was the sort of narrative model that we thought made sense. Nice. What's causing global warming? Yeah. Is it the ozone? No, it's not the ozone. Uh, and, and, and that approach was, was very simple and got very immediately, uh, just Im immediately it, it, it got to the most basic answers that people have about the space. Yeah, yeah th this is, well, that's the reason why I believe that's very important work. And uh, honestly, I haven't seen a lot of examples of science translated in such a beautiful way and that is at, at the same accurate based on what scientists um, produce, information produced by scientists, but at the same time translated in a way that is not only understandable, it's also engaging. Yeah. <laughs> and just a few days I was talking about the problem. I think one problem I see in visualization is that we talk a lot about how to do, how to make the right chart, 
but we don't talk enough about what's the narrative, what's the story. Oh, well, there is a big deal about storytelling, visual storytelling, but I don't believe that there are a lot of people trying to understand or dissect um, the problem of how do you actually engage people in a nice and accurate scientific story. So this is what I believe is really nice in this project. So what, what were the challenges from the visualization point of view, Blackie? Well, uh, so I mean, it's actually a very simple uh, visualization. It's, it's really just like a scrolly line chart. Uh, we, you know, we do this a That's lot. It's called scrolly telling. Right? Yeah, scrolly telling, right? Uh, we do this a lot. Uh, one of our team members, Adam Pierce, built like a library for it, uh, a graph scroll. Um, but basically, um, whenever the, it's the right format, we don't want to overuse it, you know, but whenever it's the right format, we, we do, we do kind of jump into this scrolly, scrolly telling. Um, so, I mean, technically, I think that um, you know, the challenge was sort of uh, how, how do you, you know, present, uh, you know, like this material in a way that wasn't overwhelming. Uh, we, we went with this, like, you know, uh, children's book sort of narrative, um, but, you know, trying to keep that in a way that was like, you know, uh, like keeping the science straight um, and making it so that, like, you don't have to, uh, like, we didn't really want the user to really drill in, right? You don't, you don't, it doesn't really matter what the, the like hover state, like the, the actual number is on, let's say, a year. We did, for example, um, try out a se several different things, several different approaches. Um, like we had at one point a, uh, like a sort of a, a tool tip that was showing you the temperature gap. Uh, and that was, uh, you know, kind of, you know, visual flair, but at the same time it was like, it was, it was too much. Um, so, so is it because you want people to focus more on the trends? Yeah, the yes. exactly. Yeah. That, that was kind of a big conclusion we came to, right? Yeah. Um, so the more stuff you add, the less you see the, the main trend, yeah. and the, tr the, the trend is the story, yeah. right? And the data, we, um, there's a lot of subtleties in, uh, you know, working with, uh, like, anomalies, uh, for example. And um, this data in particular, the observed was on a different baseline than the, the NASA model, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, making sure that these things lined up right was actually a lot of the work. Um, okay. So, um, for example... You mean making sure that the data points were comparable? Yeah. Well, uh, the time series were comparable? So, you know, that wasn't the issue as much because they all came from the same model. We'll oh, talk okay. about that in a minute. Yeah, but yeah. The, the observed temperature relative to the, uh, you know, the model... Oh, like, okay. Yeah. Like uh, data. Yeah. Uh, the observed temperature was on this, uh, like, uh, 1951 to 1980 baseline, uh, which is basically that the average of that. Uh, and so when I say a baseline, it's really just this vertical shift. Mm -hmm. So, uh, which is, um, in, in a way, it's almost arbitrary. I don't want to say that, but yeah. it's it needs to when you're comparing like two different data sets, they need to be on the same baseline. Yeah, uh, and these data sets weren't. Um, and you know, I did you know sat on a phone with a NASA scientist, like talking to him about how to calculate the correct baseline. Thought I did that right. And when we we even walked in and like you know the day before we thought we were going to publish, 
And we all had a discussion, came to the conclusion we should recalculate the baseline one more time. And I like I could have, I swear to you, we walked we walked out of NASA. I was like, oh my god, we got to scramble to recalculate this stuff. Uh, and then I like I did it, and I really couldn't even tell the difference visually. Like I mean, it was yeah. like, but at least you know it's it's important to be you know like you know have that right correct methodology. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. Uh, in you know. Even if it's so, so simple, it's like so, such a change that you can't even visually tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, to make sure that the methodology we 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 took to even just shift the baselines to be on the same uh, like baseline, um, you know, that has to be correct. So you know, it's sort of out of respect to all the work that they've done in NASA. You know. Sure. So. Yeah, I mean, this is an aspect of this kind of projects that I'm really interested in because. Um, me, if I were you, I would be super scared to be wrong, yeah. right? And it's, it's easy to be <laughs> I wrong. Think most of journalism <laughs> is about living in terror. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, every time I talk to journalists to do this kind of work, they just tell me, yeah, well, no, I, just, I'll try my best, but then I might actually be right. wrong. And at some point, you I just, just need to publish it. Right. <laughs> well, you don't publish it if you, if you have any doubts. But, but the amount of effort that goes into checking and rechecking and... and, and and getting other people to criticize it before you publish is, uh, that's just part and parcel of what we do. So Eric, can we talk a little bit more about the scientific part? Sure. And um, so I guess if I understand correctly, this data comes from a model, Yeah. right? This, this is data coming, it's modeling, it's not just measurement, right? Correct. So there's basically two parts of it. Part of it is the uh, the observed temperature series that goes back to 1880, which is approximately uh, around the time that basically thermometers became common around the world, and and we got our first glimpse of actual mercury readings of of what the temperature was all over the place. Hey everybody, this is Moritz. As you know, I'm not with Enrico today, but I can tell you a bit about our sponsor. So today, again, Data Stories is brought to you by Click, who allows you to explore the hidden relationships within your data that lead to meaningful insights. And uh, as we mentioned last time, very recently, Click announced the general availability of ClickSense 2.0. And the highlights are there's a whole new version of ClickSense Enterprise, um, there's the new Click Data Market, that's a data as a service cloud offering. And basically it gives you direct access to a lot of external data sources directly from within the application that you can add to your um, visualizations in a very easy and, and affordable and secure way. Um, there's also a new analytics platform. Um, the new main features include smart load. So a lot of help in importing data and joining data sets, smart data compression and much improved print and export capabilities. And another interesting thing, Click was recently named top 10 innovative growth company by Forbes. So Forbes always has a long list of 100 companies that are the most innovative uh, ones. And uh, Click actually ended up in the top 10. So that's uh, quite an achievement. And they have a blog post on their site uh, where you can explore this data set of the top 100 global innovative growth companies. And uh, yeah, we'll link that from the post. And uh, if you're interested in the product, there's a free trial up at click.de slash data stories. Check it out and uh, take a look. And now back to the show. So how do we know that we have accurate 
temperature temperature readings starting mm. from 1880. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm really curious about it. Yeah, because the t technology changes, the kinds of thermometer yeah. changes, where the thermometers are changes. Uh, so it's not just getting a reading from the thermometer and then the next thermometer. They, they have to know where every thermometer has always been and what kind of thermometer it is so that when either the thermometer itself is moved or there's a new thermometer that replaces the old one because there's a better technology, they understand what basically the error bars for each kind of measurement technology is. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And so when they, they process these decades-long temperature records, they, they would not be able to do it without understanding basically the shortcomings and limitations of each measurement technology. Okay, yeah. So that, it's and a long story. And this data is recorded somewhere since uh, the yeah. okay, 19th century? Is, is it statistical still even then, I'm sure, you know, like... Yeah, the, <laughs> there's a whole, it's basically, there's a whole field dedicated okay, yeah, to cleaning yeah. up old thermometer <laughs> data. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, but in terms of, so that's where the, that's where the black line comes yeah. from. That's the observed line, that, that's, that answers the first question, how do we know it's warming? We know it's warming because the temperature is higher and gets it keeps getting higher. What the model is is like if you want to take the broadest view, is what what computation has done to science is it's opened sort of a third leg of investigation. Mm -hmm. There's you know there used to be there was there's empirical observation and there's thinking and, and hypotheses and theory. Uh, what uh, what computation has done has created a sort of middle ground where what scientists can do is uh, look at the natural phenomena, whatever they're looking at, uh, and, and reduce it to explain it with mathematics mm -hmm. uh, to, ex to, to show the dynamics. Um, and then using, basically just relying on computation, they can set these equations together in these massive, massive pieces of software that we call models, you know, so like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lines of code. Uh, and they, you need a supercomputer to run them. And, uh, and that's how they, that's what a simulation is. So that they, they simulate how the world works. There's, mm -hmm. I don't even, I don't know how many, like I, I, I asked them cause I was writing about it. How many equations are in, are in the NASA Goddard <laughs> Institute for space studies? Yeah. Um, model two, yeah, model E two, yeah, and they, yeah. they, there's about five hundred thousand lines of code in it, yeah. uh, and embedded in those are their best uh, uh, attempts to explain how the world works. Okay. And but, so, sorry. So I was going to say, but it's not just them, right? It's this uh, CMIP. Uh, right. So yeah. around it's the world, consortium. around the world, there's about so just to to be clear, so the 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 computer. The, I'm sorry, the climate scientists we work with on this project are NASA scientists who work for a unit uh, in, that's in Manhattan, a NASA unit in Manhattan called the Goddard Institute, or GISS, uh, it's abbreviated. Uh, the, most, the easiest frame of reference for most people will be that uh, it actually inhabits the building above Tom's Restaurant uh, <laughs> on 112th and Broadway, which was uh, famously the exterior shot for the Seinfeld Cafe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and before that, there was a, it was famous because there was a Suzanne Vega song about it. Okay. <laughs> but uh, so, so there are 30, about 30 different research groups around the world who 
uh, who experiment on these models. Who and there are uh, these thirty groups have created more than sixty separate models. And models are they focus on different things. Some are longer, some are shorter. They the research groups have different areas of interest. Uh, so to keep the whole climate modeling research community sort of on the same page, there's a uh, a centralized project called the um, Couple the, Model Inner Comparison Project Phase Phase Five. five. We just <laughs> call it Phase Five because it sounds like Star Trek. Say it again. Is it an acronym? Yeah, that CMIP is uh, the acronym Coupled Model Inner Comparison Project uh, Phase Five. And yeah, uh, and. And so what that central body of this professional community does is it, uh, one of the things it does is it comes up with what you should do with your model. Mm -hmm. uh, and because they need objective tests that they can apply to every model that's been written to both to evaluate the models and to evaluate what we actually know about how the climate works. So what this graphic is based on is the observed temperature data and the model results for one of those phase five experiments that they call the historical experiment. Um, and, and, and so what they, they do in that experiment is they, they ask the, the scientists to, uh, to model, uh, to see how well their model reproduces the temperature of the last 130 years or so. Um, and additionally, to go what are, what are, what's called basically climate factor by climate factor uh, to see if each factor that influences the climate might be responsible for the observed temperature rise that we see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're asked to look at the orbital changes of the Earth uh, because one, one sort of talking point you see among uh, climate deniers or skeptics or whatever <laughs> we're calling them today uh, is, oh, the climate always changes. Uh, and that's true. The Earth's climate always changes because on uh, anywhere from 26,000 to 100,000 years, changes in the Earth's orbit have an effect on how much uh, solar radiation we're getting. Uh, but you can see on the scale of 130 years in the first slide here, it's basically a flat line. Mm -hmm. And well, and another, and also people say, well, maybe it's the sun because the sun is actually the source of all our power, as yeah. Eric Idle once said. <laughs> um, and uh, except that it's not causing this warming. And you go, we went, you know, forcing by forcing. That's what the scientists call them, or climate forcings. Uh, and once you see the outsized influence of the greenhouse gases, that's kind of game set match. So let me try to rephrase what you said just to make sure I understand. Okay, sorry. So basically what happens is that um, climate modelers mm -hmm. um, create mathematical models to describe climate, yes. right? And, but then, of course, uh, they have to check that yeah. this model is accurate. Yeah. And in order to check, they use um, uh, measurements data that we do have, mm. right? Is that correct? Uh, yeah, there's part two two parts of it. I think one is yes, they're they're uh, they're checking how they're checking their work against observed data, mm -hmm. um, and but they're also checking their models against each other to yeah. just to to test how good the models are. There's like 61 simulations, right? Uh, so you can imagine it's like 61 different times you had like a physics engine written, and everybody kind of agreed ahead of time. 
we're gonna you know factor in these things in in the physics, right? Yep. And so you can imagine sixty one different times, sixty one uh, simulations, all different code bases. Um, people run the same historical experiment, yep. right? So you could so you, the thing is that like you know it's done different times by different organizations. Yeah. So many you know sixty one. Yeah. But they kind of all uh, kind of lead to the same sort of consensus. Right. Different uh, people ooh. working for different institutions in different countries at different times all come up with the same yeah. answer. So that's the CMIP. That's one important, yeah. important part about the CMIP project, right, is that, like, there's this historical uh, component to just see if what, if what we are able to model, you know, can reproduce what uh, it, we historically see. And we actually had completely, we, had, we have an entirely second set of data. Like uh -huh. we, it wasn't a foregone conclusion that we were gonna to use this particular. Uh, it, you have to be careful about the difference between data and modeling results. Yeah. You know, we were, we we could just as easily have done this with another group's modeling results, but we didn't for uh, almost you know convenience. <laughs> yeah. So when, this actually makes me think about why not doing this with observational data directly, because. We, what we ha the observational data we have is there, which is yeah, the, maybe I should the dis describe what I mean by observational okay, data just to ahead. make sure that everyone understands. Uh -huh. I mean, so what you show in the graph is um, information coming from the simulation yes. that you get out of except the model, except for except the black for line. the temperature, the yeah. black line, right? And, and but in principle, one could measure these things. And use these measurements uh, in the chart, no, but not probably really. not. Right? <laughs> I, I would describe it less as measurement than understanding of how each thing works. Mm -hmm. Like some of them, we can't. Like the sun, we can certainly measure. Yeah. Uh, uh, volcanoes are there's a there's a lot of little volcanoes. There have been yeah. papers over the last few years about how they miss some of the little yeah. volcanoes. But it for some of the forcings, yes. For all of them, no. Some of them are very difficult, and they just have to make estimates based on um, uh, what what has been observed and the temperature yeah. potential of each forcing. So, so when we say a forcing, too, you can imagine Sorry. that that's yeah. like the input to the simulation. Yeah, they run that simulation five times on a supercomputer because yeah, it's this yeah, big, yeah, yeah. it's this you know not big number crunching yeah, machine. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you 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 input these forcings. Yeah. Uh, that sort of align with what we've what we do observe, right? Like so, um, I mean, like volcanoes, you know, they happen regularly enough in this in the simulation that you know it lines up with sort of the same you know regularity of how it happens on Earth. But um, the output ends up being the response to those forcings uh, in like the temperature. So everything you're seeing on this too is always just temperature responses yep. to the input. Mm -hmm. Which was, let's say, increasing greenhouse gases, or um, so. What you call forcings is what you have here in the graph, like land use, ozone. Yeah, there are there are, there are there are natural forcings, and there are anthropogenic or man-made forcings. Um, and the the scientists, like they, we, everyone, anyone who's ever worked with sciences, scientists know that I work a lot with. Yeah, them. yeah. Uh, well, so they they go ballistic if you call <laughs> yeah. the actual lines on the chart. Forcings. Yeah. They are the temperature response to the forcings. Yeah, it's after the like you input the forcing, 
you out like you run a simulation and the output is oh, you're seeing the response on temperature. Oh, I yeah. see. Right? So these colored lines that we see yeah. are basically the prediction predicted temperature if you would take into account only this for right. forcing. So is that correct? Yeah, yeah, for each new page, the whole world is held constant except for that forcing. Okay, yeah. No, I so, see. He said, you know, we have anthropogenic forcings and, uh, you know, uh, natural forcings. The natural forcings are the uh, orbit, the sun, the volcanoes. These are things that we can, you know, within reason say that, you know, humans aren't having an impact on these things um, versus, you know, this com the comparison to the uh, anthropogenic ones, which, uh, so like, for example, we combined, we were like, okay, let's, let's show these uh, natural ones combined. Um, we were lucky enough that they ran the model with the natural forcings combined. Yeah. So it wasn't something that we just like munged some data. We had, I, believe me, I tried for a second and I was like, yeah. this is too hard. Uh, we, we were like, we basically reached out to NASA and we're like, do you guys have this data? And they yeah. were like, oh yeah, we have that. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like trying to. Right. Um, yeah. No, it's it's very nice. I love it. And uh, I have to confess that. So let me tell you about my reaction to this graph. So I I got into the page. I read what's really warm in the world. And um, I scrolled through. And only at the end, I realized that these data came from a model. Right. And um, my gut reaction was like, yeah, but this is just a model, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I read the details and I was much more convinced. But my gut reaction mm. was like, well, that's not data, right? Right. So but I think well, it's, what it's, it's very interesting to discuss what I think do that's we consider to talk data, about that. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I think this is the observed temperature line is data. The, um, the, the lines that reflect how each of the forcings have affected the climate those are reflect our best understanding of what happened. Yeah. Like, we don't know. We don't have special thermometers that only measure solar energy. Like, there's also only one planet. Yeah. Know? We, we can't just, like, we don't have a planet where we can turn up the sulfur pollution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, so it, it's a very important distinction. So I, I think I'm, my... my, my it, it's a very common response to anything oh, really? having to do with yeah. climate models okay. yeah. and, and among thoughtful people and also among people who just want the whole thing to go away. Oh, it's just models. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, it's an easy criticism. Yes. Yeah. But my glib response is always no one ever says, oh, hedge funds <laughs> make report, you know, that they make buckets and buckets of money. But. They're just using models, so like they're not. <laughs> that money's not real. Yeah, that's a good, you know, like, good answer. Like <laughs> drugstores use models to um, to figure out where they should put the diapers and where they should put the thermometers. Sure, sure. Um, and but nobody would say that the thermometers aren't really in aisle six because it's only because of models. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I see, I see and and to take it to take it out of even the computer setting. Yeah, yeah. You know, like. If I eat vegetables and exercise a lot, I'll lose weight. Like, that's a model. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what we're talking about when we sure, talk about models. Sure, sure. And Blackie, I wanted to ask you um, something more about um, the design decision. So it looks to me that you kind of like had a deliberate design decisions not to explain too much 
from the very beginning, right? Uh, because the, the, the graphics is organized in a way that you are very easily uh, attracted and uh, the, the, the steps are very natural and fluid and engaging. So I guess if you explain too much too early, you just um, break the flow, I guess, right? So was that a deliberate uh, decision? Yeah. And still you get all the information you want at the end, right? Um, I really like... Yeah, we provided uh, even the data, right? So yeah, like, exactly. We, we published yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that was totally deliberate. I mean, a big thing, like I said, was that we, we didn't want to provide details on demand. We didn't want you to like basically just get hung up on one slide. Yeah. Uh, and we also wanted you just to understand trends, right? Um, so to, to just kind of tie that into the, the narrative of the, what you're stepping through, right? So yeah, yeah. you understand, okay, this basically is around the zero line. This is around the zero line. This one, for some reason, goes a little below the zero line. You know, uh, that that's what kind of mattered, right? Um, a big thing too with that, that animation was just to like show that these, you know, these lines actually combine together, and you can see that net effect with the animation. Sure. Right. Sure. Sure. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's a lot. It's it, it, we try to be very light-handed on the, uh, you know, like providing. Uh, extra information. No, I think so. th this is one of the biggest challenges for these kind of graphics, um, being engaging, but at the, at, at the same time accurate. And uh, it's a very fine balance between these two things. And again, I think these graphics yeah. is the, the nice, nice solution. The, uh, the 95% confidence interval, right? It, oh, that's yeah. the, the, you know, that was something that was almost like a requirement NASA wanted, right? They were well, like, well, we, we, before we even talked to them, we, we knew we wanted. Absolutely. But, you know, they, they really, they, they were emphasizing it because it's. So you know, for those who are not who are listening and don't have the graphics in front, uh, you are talking about the fact that these lines that are factors, they have a band around yeah, the, describing the 95%. To use NASA's words, the error envelope. Well, one way to think about it, and one way to think about this whole problem in general, or the science, however you want to define it, is that we understand climate change really well. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 a, it's, um, it's a science that's, that's been around for several decades now. The fundamental physics, understanding of the physics, have not changed for decades. Um, what we don't understand is climate variability mm -hmm, okay mm -hmm. we don't understand the uh with with as much confidence as we'd like the boundaries of the system yeah so uh so what that uncertainty bars what those what that uh the dots around each line are showing you is that because we 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 understand climate but we don't understand weather so we we know with 95 percent confidence that the right answer is in that area, but we just don't understand weather enough to, yeah. to be able to do it. Yeah. So um, I want to conclude with a couple of quick questions. Um, so one is, I think another thing that strikes me is the fact that I guess this data is available, right? So another person could have just accessed They the still can, data. The, data, the data is all linked to in the methodology. <laughs> yeah. And I think we need more of these kind of projects out there. So if, um, I don't know, somebody's listening and wants to do <laughs> something along these lines with this flavor, what, what would be your recommendations? 
Well, we we're not done by any stretch of the imagination. We <laughs> have, it's my second it's a, question. This <laughs> is a this is a, a very important year for the global climate change debate. We've already seen the the uh, unorthodox step of of the Bishop of Rome weighing in uh, in just a couple of days, actually, or maybe it's next week. Um, there's an important UN meeting on development finance. In September, there's a, the UN General Assembly is going to take up uh, sustainable development goals. And then at the end of the year is the Paris Climate Talks, when 193 nations are going to yeah. figure out how to sit down and save the world. And also, the success of these two graphics kind of has led us to kind of develop a series, which we hope uh, basically there's more more coming from us yeah. on this. So Sure. Uh, I think that this space is so rich and so broad uh, and there's so much good work to do that there's um, there's plenty of opportunity for anyone with skills like Blackie's and <laughs> uh, the ability to ask really dumb questions. So you guys listening to that, um, yeah, search for interesting problems like this one. Data is probably available. Yeah. If not, uh, I, I guess scientists are almost always willing to cooperate as long as... Well, particularly <laughs> in the case of, uh, of a federal, U.S. federal agency, yeah. they're actually, they're public servants. Oh, yeah. These, these are publicly funded sure. agencies, yeah. and uh, they, uh, I've always in my career as a science writer been grateful yeah. to their willingness to work with us. We, we couldn't have done it without... The help of uh, Kate yeah. and uh, Kate Gavin. Marmel and Gavin Schmidt yeah. at the Goddard from NASA. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, a lot of emails back and forth, a lot of getting on the phone, yeah. asking them. And they, and they were just incredibly helpful. And the, the the response has been overwhelming, and we're very grateful that people have found value in it. And on Twitter, in particular, um, one of the funny things that happened is a lot of people credited NASA for doing it. And like <laughs> me, I, I'm happy for like Blackie and NASA to take. <laughs> Credit, like I'll take the blame as much as anybody wants, but they, they, this is um, as long as it's not a NASA project. Yeah. Um, however, I give them all the credit, sure. but they don't bear any responsibility for whatever's wrong with it. So, do you think this is having an impact? Do you think some people? I, do you have anecdotal evidence that some people look at this and think, "Well, oh wow, no." Certainly. Um, Certainly, uh, when Moby treated uh, <laughs> Moby tweeted it out, uh, oh, it, Obama, it did? yeah, really? uh, Obama's uh, top two climate advisors tweeted it out. Vatican, really? uh, the Vatican wow. uh, science agency tweeted it out. Yeah. Well, congratulations, guys! I didn't. <laughs> I, 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 I think was not aware that's of that. like, I mean, that was fun and it's gratifying when people, you know, are, are sort of ingesting your work. But uh, what, what is important is we're in a period of phenomenal change in this issue. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, basically, this week I wrote a story about a contingent of Republicans in Washington who have had it with the basically denial campaign that's been Republican Party uh -huh. um, Uh, policy for a long time, and they said, "Look, we're we're conservatives, and the best thing the thing we're best at is creating conservative solutions to yeah. problems. So yeah. why don't we just do that?" <laughs> uh, and between that and and some of the uh, religious activity, uh, there is um, I would not be surprised if there were big breaks in this conversation in the next six months to two years. Nice. Well, guys, thanks a lot. That's. <laughs> Great and fascinating work. 
thanks for 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 making these charts and these stories. Oh, thank and, you uh, very much for your interest. And thanks for coming on the show. That's amazing. And, and if I anyone's guess... still listening, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we are looking forward to see what else you you oh. guys are able to produce. Can I give a shameless plug? Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, we are also, Bloomberg Graphics is, is hiring, so. Oh, <laughs> sure, of course, yes. So if you want to be, uh, you want to work with Bloomberg, uh, um, so how can they contact you? Uh, I'll, I'll send I'll send out a link to, you know, to you. But uh, we yeah the graphics team specifically is looking to expand uh, several positions. So. Okay, perfect. Yeah, nice. and, and also a shout out to our colleagues Wes Kosova, who yeah. is the head of the graphics section. Yeah, uh, Martin Keown, uh, who who also runs the section. Tom Randall, who I, I work with very closely in the reporting side. Yeah. Uh, Everyone else. Yeah sitting next to me in the graphics. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Data Stories is brought to you by Click, who allows you to explore the hidden relationships within your data that lead to meaningful insights. Let your instincts lead the way to create personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards with ClickSense, which you can download for free at click.de slash data stories. That's QL. I K dot D E slash data stories.